listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, Samael. And today is a special day because we have guests. Who are our guests? Well, uh, I think we'll have to just let them introduce themselves, guys. Uh, speaking for myself and my producer, <laughs> because I can do that. Uh, I'm Dave from Over Under Fair. I do. Uh, Hi, Dave. Also, hi, guys. I say that every week on the... I don't know if you listen, but every week I'm like, hi, Dave. Yeah, actually, I've heard you. Um, yeah uh, we're from Over Under Fair. Roger, say hi. Hello. Uh, producer Roger, if anyone listens to the show, is my partner in crime. Uh, we are another ep- uh, show on the SRD network of shows. We've had uh, grave discussions on before and uh, mm-hmm. to discuss the Halloween franchise with us. And they're repaying the favor by having us on to talk about what we are talking about. You know, today. Fr- you know what's crazy? Like he invited us to his show to discuss like my favorite th- franchise, which I believed was overrated, even though I love it. Mm-hmm. And now your favorite, we're inviting you over here to discuss. I know, and I also think it's kind of overrated, it's but that's <laughs> it's fun. Well, we'll talk about that. But this is episode fifty-seven, a perfect organism, and for the fortieth anniversary of a very special film, we're going to be discussing Alien. So I'm really psyched about that, guys. It's a very special film. It is. It to is. me personally. <laughs> and, and to me as well. So we'll dig more into that. But first, we do have to discuss what is happening in the world of horror. So first things first, guys. Uh, speaking of Alien, we have uh, one high school that is uh, just paying it such love. And they put on a live performance on stage of alien this is uh new jersey's north bergen high school and they're doing it again 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 oh man encore performance new jersey damn yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of a trek to make it from where we're at to new jersey just to see a high school play but don't think i haven't thought about it <laughs> yeah it, yeah man it's good does the xenomorph have like the Pauly D haircut since they're in Jersey? That would no. be fucking hilarious. <laughs> I wish. I, yeah, the, we should pitch that idea. The facehuckers do uh, gym laundry tan. Yeah, yeah. Gym, oh my God. gym tan facehugger. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even want to think about that. But, yeah. <laughs> no, it's That's a real, it's like a real suit, like a costume. And it really looks like the xenomorph. Yeah, that looked badass. But it's a, all the stuff is made out of like recycled material and uh, they put it on once. Everybody loved it. So now they're going to be doing it yet again. You have to with all that, yeah. with all the stuff you built for this, the sets and the, the costumes and such. I'm, I'm legitimately impressed at how the detail and the love that clearly went into making this stuff. It is. It looks so good for something that only a small pocket of people will ever see. I mean, sure you have the internet to bring a bit of that more around to people like us. We can appreciate that, but mm-hmm. to physically be there and watch that for so few people to, you know to take that in that's such a cool thing and i all the respect and props in the world to these kids for pulling this off it's so awesome not to mention that poster too like that poster is not like everything the production the no, level yeah. production is crazy they had a trailer for a play but how but, but the trail but the poster the reason i'm blown away by the poster is just because it's just like 
you know, high school poster, usually it's like some guy who's really good. They have one person, male or female, who's really good at it. Mm. And they do like their best. Yeah, the one person that could Photoshop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now this person. <laughs> and, like, make, and make the lines around the heads look like barely visible yeah. when they're yeah. cut and pasted and stuff. Meanwhile, this looks like it was shot like professionally done the background looks like it's sure. like something you see in like a blade runner because it's a ridley scott so it has a bl- it has yeah. a ridley scott look to it without being from ridley scott which is amazing to me dude yeah. it's like badass like nowadays kids can do any like they made all this stuff out of like essentially garbage like you'll mm-hmm. see it on youtube look it up like kids make mcdonald's out of just garbage like this new generation of kids <laughs> yeah. is fucking crazy and they're creative as fuck i would have never thought yo let me take possibly one of the greatest horror movies and science fiction movies ever. And then let's make a play, but mm-hmm. we're going to make it hella realistic, but we're going to use trash. Like, it's like, how? How? Yeah. No, they're, they're super creative, and uh, it makes me wish that I could, like, travel back in time and attend this high school. Oh, man. Like, or, Mom? Yeah, to have been the one to do it yourself. That's the I was immediately jealous of, like, God, why didn't I think of doing something like this? I would have been. I mean, I was already a super nerd. It wouldn't give me any worse off than I would have been. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you want know a remake? Would have done uh, Clash of the Titans. Oh, <laughs> I I yeah, yeah. I, done, I think because I, I would have done it better than the version that came out. Possibly that would have been fun. I would have been Calaboss had all that shit tacked to my face. Oh. <laughs> that would have been, been so cool. Nancy right. Ellswick oh. as no. <laughs> Let's move on here, guys. So uh, if you are in uh, New Jersey. Uh, you can go check out the Encore. Enroll in this high school. Yep. <laughs> April 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So next up, if you've been paying attention to any Stephen King recently, he's been still writing uh, quite a few books. And one of his most recent is with his son, Owen King, Sleeping Beauties. And AMC has officially picked up uh, a pilot script, basically, or, or made a pilot script commitment to that story. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know if anybody here has has read the book. I have. I have not. Uh, I think the 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 conceit of it sounded interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Admittedly, I haven't read a Stephen King novel in some time, but I am mostly just impressed at the the level of, or rather, the rate of acquisition that everybody seems to be making to pick up these King properties. I mean, the dude is on every platform now. It's like yeah. Hulu has something, CBS all access, you know, AMC, like the dude is just everywhere. It's like mm-hmm. the eighties all over again to Stephen King nonstop. And yeah. that's pretty cool. So I, I, I'm interested to check this out. I, I might not read the book cause I'm partially illiterate <laughs> anymore <laughs> since there's just so much TV and movies and stuff yeah. to watch. But, uh, I don't know. It looks kind of cool. Did you like the book? Is it good? Uh, I enjoyed the book. Uh, it got a little convoluted toward the end. Well, it is a Stephen King book. So. Right. So, you know, after, after reading it, uh, I was a little okay with that. but um, Or at least it didn't bug me that much. Sure. But the concept was very interesting. Um, it was a very allegorical. So that kind of chokes you sometimes. But, mm-hmm. um, but it, it was a pretty good read. So if you're not familiar with what the book is about, basically... All the women in the world go to sleep and they have this like cocoon thing on their face. Yeah. And if you try to like rip it off or stir them, they like become crazy monsters <laughs> and attack you. Okay, so what I'm getting, <laughs> since you said it was allegorical, uh-huh. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but Stephen King's a piece of shit is what you're saying. Because that's what it sounds like to me. Well, oh, once you once you open women's eyes, they'll go crazy and well, off. Their, that's some like 
biblical. It's, it's kind it's of him your, and his son, though. So yeah. like maybe they just had like a really bad run in with Tabitha one yeah. one weekend when she was like having not so great a day. It's yeah. like don't wake mom up. Yeah, you know? well, <laughs> she was wearing a sleeping mask. At yeah, the time. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, there there was one uh, important point left out was that all the women in the world go to sleep except this one mysterious woman kind of comes out of the mm. blue and she's awake and she seems to be you know kind of like supernatural and. It, it, it's interesting, I'll say that much, but it's more so kind of like, without women, what men do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're primal and they can't yeah, take care of themselves. Uh, this is a horror. This is horror all yeah, over the place. Right. I don't know. Jesus. With Stephen King, I feel like, like I don't want to say he's overrated, but a lot of his works are, and a lot of his works are like hit or miss. Like, Langoliers was okay. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you've read, I think it was The Carnival. It's like a more recent piece of shit that he wrote. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I I kind of feel worried because everyone, like you said, is attaching their Stephen King here, Stephen King there, and then you know, even if you make a shitty adaptation, like no one's going to want to read that book, and then you've lost all potential sales for that book too, because some fucking art house hipster douche wanted to make a fucking after movie the, yeah after the fact, but you're you're going to immediately boost the sales of that by attaching it to something like this. Like oh, yeah. as soon as you announce. That oh we're doing Stephen King property it's called you know Sleeping Beauties people are gonna go find it and buy it if they haven't yeah. read it already so you're gonna get them coming in if it ends up being terrible you might not get any more after that but at least you'll get the initial surge yeah, potentially that, that of initial surge just like the it, Friday you know? the Thirteenth films sure like, yeah <laughs> the last thing. sometimes it's all you need the last uh, Stephen King bo- books I read were the Gordon or the girl who loved Tom Gordon and Hearts in Atlantis which mm-hmm. um, and insomnia or yeah it was insomnia that I read. Um, Maybe they came. The name of the book was uh, the guy who couldn't sleep. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's insane. Is, it is, is that the name of the book? The guy <laughs> yeah. who couldn't sleep. <laughs> the, the guy, guy couldn't sleep, but he started seeing some weird, weird stuff. But uh, it sounds horrifying. Yeah, Heart, Hearts and Atlantis was pretty good, but mm. I haven't read a book since, honestly. And and for Stephen King right now, to him kind of say, "Hey, you know what? I've been good this entire time, kind of yeah. doing like this right now." He's so hot right now. Yeah, he's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Castle Rock, you know, is is uh, going strong. Coming into a season, I've heard season, really so. good stuff about that show. It's pretty Admittedly, good. I have not seen it, mm-hmm. but I have heard good things. The first, like, I would say six episodes are like really cool, but then it kind of goes from like being like you think it's going to be a horror, then it turns into this dark fantasy drama, and then it like mm-hmm. sticks with that, and you're just like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to skip out on the rest of that. That's how I felt, at least. I don't know. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it was very mysterious, and uh, there was a lot of foreshadowing. And it, it tried to take you in a lot of different directions before finally sort of explaining what is going on, but not really. They're, like, building the whole world, though, yeah. right? Like, they're taking oh, yeah. all the, the King kind of universe and Se- season putting two, that all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season two time. is uh, supposed to be about Annie Wilkes. Uh, all right. Something else. I'm like, gonna... young Annie Wilkes. So I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, can, I can get down on seeing young Annie Wilkes killing some other yeah. people. For, who, 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 who would play her, though, as the thing? Oh, they already announced it. It's uh, Lizzie Kaplan from oh. Cloverfield. I'm 100% behind that. Yeah, fuck. me too. So. Oh, man. A I might watch season I'm going to watch this. I'm going to catch up on this look, show. First season, I'll tell you, bro. First season, don't expect anything except atmosphere. Because that all it is I is... I love atmosphere. I do too, but... <laughs> I mean, we're about to talk about Alien in a few minutes. Oh, so. yeah, but still, all it is <laughs> we'll is get just... To that. All it is is just foreboding music, you know, like mm-hmm. the... Yeah. And like weird super... You know the movie, like Duke and... Sure. Fucking... Have you ever seen a dark song on Netflix? I have not. That one's good, but like hereditary, like it just has a whole bunch of like yeah. whole bunch of bass, and you're just like, uh oh, the score means that something bad gonna happen. It didn't yeah. actually, they don't actually create tension like Alien, though. That's the sure. Thing. All right, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, guys, be on the lookout for uh, Sleeping Beauties on AMC. 
I think they might be able to do a good job with it. I heard the terror is very good and uh, they have that show on there right now. So uh, let's move on. We do have a uh, word now from full moon about 10 new movies that they're going to be releasing. Oh God, please let me read off the titles and talk shit. <laughs> okay. But this is for their uh, deadly 10 initiative. So go ahead. Go okay. ahead. So initially the new segment was going to be about subspecies because they're releasing subspecies five red dudes coming back, which mm-hmm. I liked. But they're also releasing, and I'm not lying, Bride of the Head of the Family. First of all, too long. You can't have of the fucking twice in the title yeah, because that's the longest title. Bride of the Head of the Family. That is too many ofs. The next one, Necropolis Legion. So, like a dead city, and there's a lot of them. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm getting from that. Listen to this, though. Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolarama 2. They made a first piece of shit of this film. <laughs> And then uh, Subspecies 5, Blood Rise, I can respect. And then they're making a stand Like, the dude from fucking Puppet Master, Blade, he's getting his own movie, The Iron Cross. Halloween Night, Meet the Ouija's. You know, that, sounds like, that sounds like a new wave band from England from <laughs> in the early 80s. Yeah. Meet the Ouija's. Meet the Ouija's. <laughs> it's like alternative, yeah. kind of... <laughs> Sort of like the shins almost. Yeah, yeah. that vibe. Yeah, you got the you shins. Know. But they, all it is is synth, yeah. and they have their hair done like, oh like a, it looks like a marijuana plant. <laughs> Dude, all the weed yeah. fucking metaphors, like, like, look, everyone likes to smoke weed, but don't be like, pot, 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 in fucking Halloween night, meet the weed. Yeah. You, you, you gotta hit it twice. Like, we really, really. Whoever, who, whoever fucking. <laughs> the first one was I don't know, guys. Way, 1988, I don't, by the way. I don't know if Halloween yeah. really sells it. We need to try to throw that in there two times. I was talking about Sorority Babe. Sorry. That's oh, okay. the first one. Yeah. Oh, well, wow. thank God. Thank All you right. for doing our due diligence here. <laughs> I guess it's time for a sequel. Whoever yeah. named this Halloween movie, I sincerely hope you get Lou Gehrig's <laughs> we disease. We got four more. And then we have. The Hourglass. Mm-hmm. You better do something before time runs out. Is this his days of our lives? Kind yeah. of like <laughs> it's the same horror movie. Yeah, yeah, most likely. It's going to be some stupid shit like, yo, do this before the hourglass runs out. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, he's not going to be able to accomplish it. And then his daughter's going to get killed. And then he's going to be like, no! <laughs> That's my prediction. Femalian. Cosmic Crush. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. This bullshit. Femalian. Oh my god, what sort of fuck... I know, look, I know Full Moon is known for their, like, wacky fucking movies. Mm -hmm. Because they got a lot of, like, questionable shit. Like, yo, were you guys doing, like, PCP in, like, the community center bathtub, like, when this was going on? Like, because there's no fucking way people just sit down. Is that not a title of the next movie? Doing PCP in the community center bathtub? I wish it was. Part three. No, but this one's equally as cliche, and it's, honestly, it's one of those, like, you hear it and you create Shadow Heart curse like some douchey fucking emo middle school yeah that sounds like shadow heart underscore curse xx Uh, yeah that just sounds like more twilight fanfic (laughs) jesus christ and the final one is the grim rapper you thought death enjoyed killing people he also likes likes to listen to az on the weekends i hope that they cast like a common or somebody just no, someone completely random you know rizza was in I, I would watch that movie dude rizza's in a horror movie that just dropped on netflix it's like it's like a ghetto prom night like they sadly not they, called the grim Rapper, oh, is that's that taken. Uh, thriller thriller yeah oh. they were like really pushing it and it was like so like cliche and they were like trying too hard to be hip with the black kids mm-hmm. and you're like come on bro like a black dude made this you shouldn't be like trying to be hip you should yeah. just like, you should just be hip it, you should <laughs> but it was like it, like people were like yo dog and you felt like it was just so like it felt like a white person made it and you're like yeah. no we don't need another one of these please just <laughs> give us like did. All right. Well, speaking of dolls, 
let's move on to <laughs> our uh, trailers here, guys. Uh, well, the first one is the most important, I suppose. I agree. And the most, uh, I guess, received most recently. So Child's Play has released a new trailer that kind of shows Chucky and... Uh, you can hear what Mark Hamill sounds like. He sounds a badass, but uh, let's take a look at Chucky, shall we? What the fuck is this? I have the audio right here. Oh, oh, too far. Hey. Good night. Hey, I think that's pretty <laughs> sufficiently creepy. Uh, if he came out with Joker makeup, that would be even better. Yeah. yeah. That would be, that would like make up for everything else the you know what i hated about the trailer like it just looked like fucking chaos like it, it was yeah it was just like doll also everyone's scared of something like in, i, I mean I, I guess it makes sense because you know when the original child's play came out toys were obviously not as advanced so uh i mean it still had a really original idea with the doll being possessed but the doll was supposed to kind of more mimic a, a nightmare form of you know the dolls that they had coming out at the time all these really realistic dolls and they were supposed to have all these cool features like be real and stuff like that so um now in the technology age that we're in it kind of makes sense to me to kind of have chucky be this ai <laughs> overlord robot thing no i'm hip to that yeah. I, I i think i still think though because it is a horror movie it needs something like this it is laughable that you would be able to have this thing interface with like all of these things that you use every day yeah. and because I, I always think about that anyway like i don't need my watch to be connected to a fridge to be connected to my yeah, door to be connected it. to my phone like i don't need any of this stuff connected so i but i know that people exist that way and that's fine so that they're kind of making fun of that by making that kind of the central horror piece of this is pretty funny in my mm. mind i just want to point out obviously the audio look up we get a chance look up uh, brad Brad Dourif? Yeah, the original voice mm-hmm. of Chucky. And don't tell me he doesn't look like a relative of Mark Hamill. Like his <laughs> uncle or brother or like stepbrother or something. They look related. I, I mean, feel like it, it's his cousin who like lives in Arkansas or something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at that. It's just like it's... Yeah. I don't know, they look related to me. Except right there, he looks kind of weird there. But anyways. Now, the voices are uh, quite similar. And I, I saw that some people were saying... Uh, you know that he was trying to like really hard to like mimic him. I mean, I think that's I just think Mark it's too Hamill. soon to say. Like it's yeah. with only one sentence. You know, like I'm I can't I can't you know judge a dude's entire performance in a film based on that yet. Right. But I, I like that they're kind of keeping that close to the vest to initially to to not get that out there because you don't want to spoil the like the whole character right off. Like that's right. because this is a property that everybody knows and many people are you know like. Uh, something you know affiliated with that they love like it, you don't want to just go out of your way to, to in, immediately invite direct comparisons yeah so it was smart of them to just leave that at the back end and just have it be a snippet because i i'm interested you know i think so just from seeing that i'm kind of like yeah I'll, I'll go see that i just hope we get more of chucky in the actual film because mm-hmm. if you look at the old like the original movies like he's in almost every shot you know what i mean like he's yeah. the central point like is he real and then like you see his eyes move you're like uh-oh, maybe it's just my imagination. But you know, that's that's what you know, that was effective in nineteen eighty. Not not nowadays. We've seen killer dolls, so they had to do probably something completely different. Like, is the doll alive? Like it's been done. There's been dolls, there's been dead silence and yeah, you know, child's play and I I'm glad they're taking a new direction. I just hope Chucky's still like funny, you know, because mm-hmm. he used to talk mad shit in, in every single one. Yeah. 
So uh, that's that's the, that's gonna be a big thing for me. I can't imagine Mark Hamill talking shit. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I think they're either uh, gonna yeah, go. may, maybe like not on a rated R level at least. You know, like he's good at being like witty as the Joker. You know, mm-hmm. he little cliche, but I don't know. I think. I think they chose the right person for Chucky because if they chose like Tom Hardy or someone to voice Chucky, that would have been a fucking. <laughs> that would be kind of weird. Ah oh, yes, I see you figured out that I am a talking doll. Well, <laughs> importantly, Mark Hamill did voice Chucky before on an episode of Robot Chicken. Oh, very oh, nice. Yeah. So there's precedent. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And that was like in 2008 or something like so that. He's just been chomping at the bit, waiting basically for yeah. him to call him. They should have called him back. Two two things would have been hilarious as Chucky, like if they wanted to like completely just ruin it. Either Sean Connery or Jackie Chan. One or the other would have been <laughs> fucking hilarious. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I mentioned being Mark Hamill and then going, what? I don't have to do Batman or being Star Wars? Sweet. Yeah. Sign right, yeah. Right now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He does His he schedule must- is cleared. Let's move on. Uh, we've got two trailers left. The first is The Lodge. Now, this one is kind of being heralded here and there as something basically resembling The Shining. Uh, it's supposed to concern two kids. Uh, who are left inside a cabin, basically, while there's a snowstorm out with their soon-to-be stepmother, I guess, and she's got all kinds of psycho problems. <laughs> so um, it looks like it's going to be kind of a psychological horror. Uh, what did you guys think of the trailer, real quick? No release date on this, because I, I see some dates for other stuff. I don't, I'm, it's not important. I guess I was just curious. Yeah, they just snagged it uh, from Sundance, so I expect uh, okay. we'll hear a bit more. Uh, so it's still here. kind of like developing with stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's atmospheric. <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. I guess that's the catchword of the day. Uh, I'm, I'll hold my breath. Like uh, rather, I, c- I can wait. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that this looks particularly stellar to me or anything, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's fine. I know it's kind of sounds strange, but the way I thought of it was just, eh, you know, like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna reserve the judgment because also it felt like I was watching Fargo. Yeah, some, some of the way the scenery looked to me, but which I love that movie. I mean, yeah. you know, from what I saw visually, it, it wasn't bad, but it looked a little too pale and just. Dep- I mean, I, I guess that's probably what it's going after. But uh, I am mildly interested in it. Unfortunately, it just doesn't look extremely evocative. And uh, yeah, right now it just kind of looks like impressive. a thing. Like right. it's like, well, this could be a thing. You know, like, it it kind of like didn't like really get much of my. I guess it's. Not, I, I wouldn't say it's not my style of movie, but like when they throw something in the headline, it looks like The Shining. Mm. And to me, it's like, all right, you have a shit movie here, and you're trying to get people to watch it. Get as much money as you can before no one ever watches it again on streaming services. Like that's how it usually is when someone like makes all these comparisons. Like they they never live up. So mm-hmm. not that The Shining from the nineteen eighty was that great of a movie anyway, but you know, <laughs> some shots, people would disagree with you. Yeah, some yeah at the very end there, Kubrick's cool. Kubrick's <laughs> cool. I just The yeah. Shining. I just felt I was just like ah. Uh, it's like eating sugar-free peanut butter. That's what I fucking felt like. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's, kinda, that's incredibly, it's incredibly yeah. descriptive in yeah. a way I totally understood. Yeah. Well, I know you guys would know what I mean. Because yeah, like, I do. No, I'm I don't with know. You. That's I how do. I felt. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that one if you are interested, guys. The next uh, and final trailer is quite a bit crazier. Yeah, this. Uh, this, this, this has one, thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this movie is called Bliss, and it's a vampire movie, kind of dog i don't know yeah. <laughs> I mean, like maybe and we'll be premiering at the tribeca film festival april 27th so. this i want to check out honestly this is probably like yeah. i said one of those movies that's going to need a 
Scream Team release. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it looks well produced, um, but it just looks like a really, really bad acid trip with vampires is the best way I can kind of describe it. Having recently watched uh, Gaspar Noe's Climax, oh. I'm totally in for more, like tripping and blood mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that's totally something i think i could be down for Dude, fucking watch and this Mandy. looks <laughs> yeah and this looks uh this looks way more chaotic than that like in its mm-hmm. own way yeah so, you know, um i don't know who that girl is in the trailer but uh adora madison she is adorable she is uh, she's very adorable very subtle very subtle but also <laughs> quite terrifying oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> I, I was uh i'd say from second one like when mm-hmm. you know the, the pulsating lights and everything happened and i'm like you know what feel like i'm gonna enjoy this and then it gets real industrial then it gets real graphic and i'm like you know what man this is something that might be yeah, interesting. for good measure takes a head of cocaine it's cool yeah, yeah man no, you gotta you gotta jump start yeah. the system somehow before you go on a killing rampage <laughs> fucking water yeah. yeah i watched it i watched it earlier today and i'm watching it you know i was just taking a gander here but just mm-hmm. uh yeah, the when she's driving around in the Cadillac with the blood on her face too, like mm-hmm. eh, casual, like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, looks bonkers. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I feel like those uh, shots are just placed in sometimes purely for for trailer porn, essentially. Oh, you know, yeah. like like yeah, this yeah. is kind of an art house movie, but it's really fucked up. But it does look cool. There's a lot of uh, head ripping off and just blood spurting everywhere. So I, I'm curious to see how the vampire aspect plays into it because it's definitely that. So we do have a, a few more uh, trailers that just came out. One is called The Perfection coming out on Netflix. Uh, there's another vampire movie called Blood from Stone. There's also a trailer uh, for an upcoming Steve Dash documentary. I have to see that. Passed away. I have to see that. Mm-hmm. We're going to move on now from the uh, news, guys, and get right into our main segment here. But uh, I do just want to give a quick shout-out once again, of course, to Sports Radio Detroit for making this possible. So thank you. Thank you very much. So let's get right into Alien, guys. The 40th anniversary is happening this month, and next week is officially Alien Day. So, I mean, why is this movie so important? I think apart from the fact that it is just a masterpiece of filmmaking from a very technical standpoint, Mm. uh, everything that this movie does is so successful on a level that very few genre films that are trying to make that are trying to be made at a level this high mm-hmm. ever get to really pulling off like it's it's the best of its kind it's kind of the first of its kind cuz you know it would be easy to say this is a sci-fi movie if it weren't for the fact that it is obviously a horror film yeah, <laughs> yeah. because sci-fi is much more dealing in with like the consequences and the the actions of humanity on the world and what that impacts and this is not that yeah, no. <laughs> this is a complete inverse so but it has it has that for sci-fi fans too though of like the you know the the technical aspects of the movie and the the inner workings of the ships and like how that mm-hmm. stuff's all set up very you know in a theme that you could appreciate i think this movie is so important because because it does so much to bring in so many different people like it, it's good for casual fans it's good for horror fans it's good for sci-fi fans it's worth noting that it's like kind of good for women like it's a strong female protagonist yeah. you know in in kind of a final final girl mold but not so much that it's like obvious you know yeah. what i mean oh, yeah. and it's uh there's just there's nothing that this movie does wrong like mm-hmm. it's it's obviously i'm biased <laughs> because it, yeah. it really is like my favorite movie ever yeah but I think what makes it so important is that it's left such an indelible imprint on horror and sci-fi and filmmaking in general since 1979. Mm-hmm. So you've had 40 years of movies trying to measure up to the you know the bar that Alien is set as a sci-fi horror film, and none have touched it. No, not a one. No, that's true. Yeah. I mean, even kind of look at. I know it was a remake, but when John Carpenter released The Thing, 
no one can say that he wasn't at least inspired by Alien. Because sure, and the thing you, is, you great. You clearly, like, that's that's not a slight you, to anything. Oh else. yeah, but yeah. You know, there are other aliens. Alien though. Sure. The thing is, thing I might be biased because I'm a Carpenter guy, but like. <laughs> If if we're gonna speak like analytically and from a technical aspect, Alien was a much better film at building suspense. Uh, mm. I felt claustrophobic in the movie, like a lot. I don't like to be inside. in a movie set in like, space. Like I mean, right. obviously yeah. that's become a trope now. Yeah, but it, that's that's definitely it was a fresher take in 1979 to really highlight the claustrophobia of that film by having such a small crew and the ducts being you know so so confining and having them being forced to be spent in the, the space that they are spent in mm-hmm. even when they're in a larger area like when they touch down on the planet and they're you know going into these big open halls they're still tiny so it still feels almost like they're you know claustrophobic within their own suits because they're so small yeah like the the scope and the the way that they expertly play on specifically the claustrophobia and just that that foreignness of the whole uh, concept of what they're doing is just so masterfully done it's so stupid how good this movie yeah i swear like i tried to like you know get some empathy put myself in their shoes and like the more i did that the more i started thinking way too introspectively i opened my window to get a breath of fresh air because like i said <laughs> this is my second time viewing alien so it, it wasn't really like too fresh right i wanted to ask you then without stepping on you too much so we had uh, so peek behind the curtain as, as we said grave discussions have been on over under fair before mm. and in that we had discussed that you had never seen alien yeah. so this was like last october so in the time since I saw you and now, you have seen it now twice. Yeah. So this is my favorite movie ever. I've seen it like a thousand times. And I understand You've seen why. it twice. <laughs> what was your first, what were your initial impressions of the first time you saw it? It was the first time I saw it, you know, uh, they were on the ship and I'm like, all right, you know, I, I don't really know what's going to happen. You know, I saw the Xenomorph, I know there's a Xenomorph, but I don't know the story. So, you know, they're just floating through space. They get some signal that ends up being like a warning. Mm-hmm. The thing that really started, like, I, I feel, I felt it in my chest, like, because I could feel when my heart rate goes up. I pay clear attention to that shit when I'm paranoid. And the second they found that, like, giant alien fossil, that's when my heart started palpitating. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what's his name that, that had the fucking alien attached to his fucking face? Was Kane. it Kane? John Hurt. Yeah, Kane. Kane. Oh, my yeah. God. And then once that thing, once it popped out of his chest, <laughs> I was like, no, this can't be it. This yeah. isn't all that's going to happen. And then. <laughs> The, the cinematography along with the score and the foreboding music and sometimes even, so good. even sometimes with like the lack of score like at it, some it point, really it's like, is it's effective as shit yeah, yeah it was just like you're just waiting 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 you're like is it now nope next scene waiting 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 and it didn't do it in a way that like drags out either like I, I i swear to god i opened my window so i could get some air because i was like fucking hyperventilating i was like there is such a thing as too much atmosphere yeah, yeah. but this was like the perfect amount because if you make me have to open a window, like you're, you're, it's it's like that. It's like there's this like noise you can play to humans, mm-hmm. and like it'll make them increase their anxiety and their paranoia. And I think Alien found that noise. Yeah, it's out. called Alien. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> exactly what it was. Like I don't know the, the the feeling of uneasiness and their claustrophobia and like how I empathize with them. Like I tried to empathize at least. Like I have no idea what it's like to be a fucking astronaut. Uh, they had, there was some things I was like picky yeah. about, like when he was like. He was like sitting in that room with all the controls and levers and like there was like a, a light on the wall every three inches and it was just like super like retro and it was like beep, yeah. beep, boop, boop, boop. I was like that's not what spaceships look like but okay <laughs> and then uh, also when I saw the cat I was like yo what's this fucking cat doing it's, yeah, it's a space cat he's, he's wanting to ask leave the fucking cat at home like, please <laughs> you need to try to put some semblance of a familiarity for earth like yeah, you, you want to have something on board 
I mean, you know, I, I, I'm guessing, of course, as also never being an astronaut. It just, it just feels like having something that would remind you of yeah. humanity would be a good thing to have. Besides yeah. other humans, though. Besides other humans. Yeah, but they don't like each other. That's, the, that's something that yeah. I think is really cool about this movie is that there's – you want to – feel like oh well they have a they foster a sense of crewness with each other and they can you know they can when it, if the going gets tough we have this thing running around we can band together and we'll have be able to find our our wits to keep us alive yeah. and the movie through the pacing at the beginning takes pretty good measure sadly they cut a couple of these scenes out but makes it pretty pretty blatant that not everybody on this ship gets along with each other right like, yeah, it did not seem like it. no they don't like uh to get a little more nerdy with it there are scenes that were cut that aren't necessary i guess for context but scenes between the two females uh, actresses about ash. where they are yeah about ash and then uh about their just kind of the hostility they seem to have toward each other uh ripley's decision to not let them on board uh, leads to uh-huh. um Lambert. leads to lambert smacking her in the face which is not shown in the theatrical run of the movie mm-hmm. so you don't have you don't have extra extra character context to know right. that all these people don't like each other you know uh and they they all kind of see ripley as like sort of an alien in her own right she's yeah. the youngest member of the crew she's like a science officer and the rest of them are concerned with like flying a ship and working on the ship like they're more like we're kind of like you know guns for hire ish but like miners for hire and she's just kind of there so they've they set this up from the very beginning of the movie to make everybody feel kind of you know alienated for lack of a better word right with each other and their surroundings to then further force that feeling of unease on you like well these people can't rely on each other because they don't really want to <laughs> like they yeah. you know they're not in a position to have that to have that happen for them and i think that's that's you know a nice touch and what made that even worse ash the fucking android and then like yeah. his fucking head came off and then <laughs> then the arguing even escalated even more and you're just like everyone's gonna fucking die yeah there there's never a point in the movie where where you ever feel like they can count on each other to make anything Fuck happen no. And that's that's important. I think that 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 lends to a certain you know a certain sense of unease that makes that all the more palpable yeah. while you're watching. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. In the theatrical version, though, they kind of seem like they get along a little bit better, but uh, that's just because they had to cut a lot of that stuff out. And I did watch the director's cut yesterday, uh, actually for the first time, so I noticed a lot of those scenes um, just felt either longer or they shortened some stuff. So. Uh, it was very interesting. I, I had never seen Lambert slap at uh, Ripley before. Yeah, the so, first time I saw that, I was, like, I was kind of oh. taken aback. But yeah. it, there are context clues, like through mm-hmm. through the initial setup where they're discussing um, specifically the characters of what uh, Parker and Brett, like the two like engineer type dudes that are yeah. trying to repair the ship when it's crashed. There, there's a big issue about the credits that they are expected to to get from this, and they're like they're they view themselves as like their own team against the rest of the crew because they're clearly not being paid as much. Mm-hmm. They're not being re- given the same respect. They have the scene where Ripley comes down there to talk about the ship being fixed and they're kind of blowing her off, like literally blowing her off by like letting the steam vents out so they can have her yell at them yeah. so they, they pretend they can't hear Brett, her. You know? She leaves, Brett's just like, she better not get in my fucking way. Or right, whatever exactly. Says, yeah. So there, there, is, there is enough there without having to delve into deleted mm-hmm. scenes that does touch on you know the unease between the crew that I feel like it's it's I caught that even as like a twelve year old I think the first time I saw this mm-hmm. that it's definitely marked to me you know oh yeah I mean the the whole movie just basically makes you feel like if you put yourself in that position uh, you're more or less alone and then it, it does such a great job of separating crew members and you know different parts of the ship as the story progresses after as they're uh, searching for the face hugger. Or rather, the uh, the chestburster, 
uh, and then searching for the cat and they kind of get into their own thing. And I mean, not only do we get those moments of isolation where the, the xenomorph comes out and kills them and snatches them, but we also get, I mean, some of the best jump scares Dude. in horror, in my opinion, and, and, and one of the earliest movies to really do so. Yeah, it has one of the most recognizable scenes in a film ever in the chest bursting scene. Like, it's it's notable on so many levels that the the actual scene being filmed without the full cast of the movie knowing to the extent of what they were about to see. Like, uh, Ridley Scott deliberately told them, like, okay... John Hurt's going to have something pop out of him, but we're not going to tell you how or where or really why. <laughs> like, it's just going to happen. So they they added blood and, like, the the effect to, without the cast really knowing what the extent of the, the bursting was going to be. Mm-hmm. So when they show, this is all, the, it's all one take, too, because they didn't, they wanted to keep that, that feeling cameras, of terror apparently. with four cameras, yeah, placed all around the shot. That uh, the scene, the the, sh- the shot that you get of Veronica Cartwright getting covered in blood is 100% a real reaction to her, like, recoiling and actually falling down, apparently, and, like, going into hysterics. That, they don't show all of that, unfortunately. But they they do so well to build the, the horror of that scene by keeping the actors in the dark on it. And that shows. It shows on screen, and it makes it yeah. such a memorable scene because everybody's reaction is, like, organic and 100% realized. Well, Ridley Scott apparently did a lot of uh, kind of backhanded, behind-the-scenes sort of stuff. Like, uh, I read that he sort of uh, convinced Yafet Koto, who played Parker, to kind of jab at Sigourney Weaver behind the scenes so she would, you know, had a more natural sort of antagonistic reaction to yeah. his character, which yeah, is to, interesting. To, again, and that is, that is shown. Like, that is something... It, it's, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I didn't even think to mention that when we were talking about the, the isolation of the crew. That's a... That is a shitty way to do that, but yeah, that really it works. It it works. You know, it's just like I, I guess to make the comparison to mentioning your boy Kubrick earlier, Stanley Kubrick's treatment of Shelley Duvall in The Shining is like abhorrent. Like all the yeah. behind the scenes, like you know the trials he put her through, screaming at her between takes and until she was like losing hair and stuff. So that's that's the extreme of that, and you don't want to mm-hmm. see it get that far. But it is. It is unfortunate that directors have chosen this as the method of getting performances out of some of their actors. But it's difficult to argue with the results sometimes. Like, Dude, when, sometimes. She, when she got into it with Parker, like that was like that felt real. Yeah, it did. It felt totally real. real. I, and you, th- you could tell that was like building up from before. And she's like, "You wanted me to be fucking mad? I'll be fucking mad." Yeah. And the, the crazy thing about him too was, uh, was it Lambert? Yeah. When uh, she's about to get killed, and Parker's like, "Get out of there!" And like she's had like a whole forty-eight seconds to like get up and run and. The xenomorph is still like slowly just standing up, ascending. and then he did like the we watched horror nor uh, you know documentary about black people in horror, and this guy was like another one of those who like oh black dude sacrifices himself for the white person, and then I noticed that too, and mm-hmm. like and it was in vain because like she didn't fucking go anywhere, he was getting fucked up, and she's just like let me stand here and scream because that'll do something different mm-hmm. than if I just ran and got the fuck out of here. I- I, I guess felt, my, my I, counter to that would be, like, how would you react in that situation? Fucking I mean, run, bro. <laughs> can you say that, though? Like, is is there something that's going to tell your brain to run away from something that giant in front of you that might it might lock your feet in place or just not thinking it about it? It may paralyze like, me with fear, yeah. I would be paralyzed with fear, <laughs> personally speaking. And I'm a giant man. I don't run very fast. So I know my chances are already screwed. I feel like I'd have a minimal amount better if I actually just kind of squared up on it and maybe I could push it or something, but... Even then, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'm paralyzed, like, personally speaking. No, I, don't, that, I don't know about running, but I'd probably punch it, because I'm, rea- <laughs> I'm reactionary as fuck, especially with doing Muay Thai and boxing before, like, 
and I, I just react to things. If I if something pops out at me, I like punch just out of reaction. And I can imagine me punching that thing as hard as I can and immediately regretting it as it melts my face. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're dead re- either. Realistically, way. I would have punched it, but I can't run anyway. I have metal in my bones. <laughs> I mean, like, at least you'd put up a fight, you know, before <laughs> it got you. But yeah, it wasn't a flawless yeah. victory, you know. <laughs> I'll give him a fucking shiner. I'll break one of his jaws, one or the other. Sure, yeah. Sure. So I mean, the that's the thing that got me too. I forgot all about the double mouth. So yeah. every time I'd fucking see the little, I was like, oh fuck! Like I don't know why. Like it just gave me nausea. Maybe just because like I I know these were practical effects, but goddamn, this whole movie was done so fucking perfectly. Like mm-hmm. from the the cinematography too, it did not feel like a 1970s movie. That's what it like. It with yeah. this movie withstands the test. Of I think time. a lot of it does. I think a lot. I think of it does, like the whole it. movie withstands the test of time. Other than like. I guess the dialogue, you know, how they say, like, certain phrases or whatever, like, ah, buckle or whatever. You have to remember, too, that it's, you know, in future, it's like 21, 22 or something that the story is set in. So you can kind of take some liberties, I feel like, some of that stuff. The future is always always difficult when you're portraying it in film, especially in sci-fi specifically, because you... You're relying on your set, your, you know, your story writers and your set designers and stuff to Mm. imagine a future that it can still be familiar to the present. So as you touched on earlier about the, the retro boards and how the spaceship looks all the buttons and stuff. Sure. That looks dated, but if you think about, you know what the future would look like, we're going to have to keep some of it similar because you can't just make all of it be completely foreign because they're, as you develop things and as you design things like cars still look like cars. Yeah. You know what I mean? You see cars in the fifties, you generally understand how you could get to where you are now in 2018, 2019. So you need to have an element of a past to have the future like right. in, showed in your movie. And I think what makes this movie so strong is that the the parts that they are showing that need to be futuristic are grimy and are dirty. So you can even feel like maybe this is the future, but it's maybe kind of the like a semi-recent future. It might yeah, be sort of the past, too, point. like of this film. Maybe in like the transitory stays between like like technological and like super technological right. where everything looks a little more professional. Yeah, because we're still yeah. talking about miners. Like yeah. this is still something that happens. Like they are mining like an, an element. Yeah. So that's not so far out of the realm of what we understood from 1979. Like right. it's, it's a thing that we still did. It's a thing we do now. Like it's yeah. it's not it's not so far flung. So mm. what, what this movie does really well is having the future designed as a retro future for that future, which yeah. is why I think it still looks so good, you know. Yeah, and it adds just to the the grittiness and oh, one hundred percent the just dark appeal of this film because you know you're not seeing some kind of futuristic high society yeah, where it's like exactly. this whole world. That's where I feel like uh, Alien eventually in the in the franchise potentially you know kind of devolved in quality, but um, oh, it did. I mean, you, it, you are not wrong. All the all the lore <laughs> is very cool and everything, but I mean, this movie just captures that one isolated moment in time with these people who you realistically don't need to have a reason to care about, but this crazy thing is happening to them and it's unleashing this monster throughout the, you know, the whole universe (laughs) essentially. I I have argued forever and will argue until I am dead that the reason this movie works so much and each, each sequel of after this movie is like, it's an immediate downgrade of what this movie is supposed to mean because none, because just like you said, nothing has to exist for this movie to still be this movie. You don't need context for how the alien is there. You don't need to know why the eggs are on this planet. You don't need to know anything about these characters. 
You don't need to know even what the aliens are called. We don't need to know the word xenomorph. Right. Yeah, None of true. this needs and we to don't exist. Hear it. Right. It, because it's not. It doesn't exist. <laughs> well, all they know is that they see a giant thing trying to kill them, and it is terrifying. So, what makes this movie so effective, and why it is such such you know hell, I hold it in such great regard, is that it can ex- it can exist entirely on its own merit and spawn a whole legacy of shit after it <laughs> that tries so desperately to diminish the legacy of this sterling movie, and it is still great. Yeah. Like it, it can withstand all of the shit. It can withstand reboots. It can withstand spinoffs. It can withstand terrible video games. It does not matter what you do to Alien. You can't kill it, which Speak- is why it's so good. Speaking of spinoffs, did you hear like the the five like little mini movies they're making? Yeah, yeah, that's I gonna be fucking great. Seasons. That's what I'm really excited. They've about. already released uh, quite a few of them. Actually, did I watched they? the first. I one. haven't watched. Where them can yet. where can I find these? Because um, I, I think you just gotta type like Alien um, short films probably, and it'll pop up, but. There are a few, a lot of them have to deal with, because, you know, they're like seven minute long movies. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, There's a bunch with like uh, the chestburster, the face hugger, um, but the latest one called Or actually is supposed to have a full like xenomorph in it. So uh, I do want to watch that one. It sounds cool. But I got to check all of them out. I just have, I hope they have like the Occam's razor approach, like the first mm-hmm. movie did, like the simplest is the best. Yeah. Because like when they start like yammering on about where this came from and why this yeah that that ruins them any mystique it destroys it destroys like look what happened to halloween after the guy going after a babysitter why she looks like his sister when his sister was 17 that's it next next one this wasn't the case before but now did you sister oh my god like it's like eh. there is a lot shark jumping there's (laughs) a lot to be said about the I don't know if we'll get into all today, but there's a lot to be said about the sequels to this movie and their quality. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of people love Aliens, the sequel to this movie, the direct sequel to this movie. It is good. Mm -hmm. It is fine for what it is. It is a very fun action movie uh, because it is not a horror film. It is definitely not a sci-fi film. It is an action movie through and through. The original, yeah. Um, There's too much. I feel that the reason I don't think, personally, I enjoy it as much, there's too much attention paid to you know, the slaughtering of everybody as opposed to the building to the slaughtering of everybody. Like mm-hmm. we're kind of hitting the ground running because this movie did all alien. The first did all of the setup for you to be scared. And now you just get to kill everything. Right. So it loses a bit of the, a bit of the nuance and a bit of the deft hand that would put alien, you know, where alien is. And it's, it's like, it's overdone. There's just so much of it for through. So, so much time of just like death, 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 that it takes away any kind of appreciation that I could have for what they're trying to make as a movie. Cause it's not like a, it's not a film if you want to go with those kind of quotes, <laughs> but it's, you know, again, I'm not trying to shit all over aliens cause it's not bad, but I feel like it does a disservice to the original movie by taking away what made that movie so good and what made it work by showing you too many aliens and by doing too much with them. That might just be the James Cameron effect. Well, it is honestly. the James Cameron effect. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, which, I mean, I get that. You know, Ridley Scott is uh, much more prominent on establishing uh, not only a very unique world, but one that uh, really is just kind of about the dregs of humanity. Yeah. You know, and and, I mean, you know, this is uh, the Nostromo. It's It's a mining transport ship or whatever, and they get a call to be heroes, basically. And, uh, I mean, we do eventually get a hero from this movie in Ripley. Yeah, which who is, is excellent. Important. I, I'm not going to disparage her at all. And her performance, uh, Sigourney Weaver's performances in future films, all great. She mm-hmm. was nominated for an Oscar for Aliens. That that has to be mentioned. Like, 
that's not something that even now that genre films get mm-hmm. you know a, a, an academy award nomination for best actress for an alien movie that's pretty fucking yeah. impressive so yeah i mean the, the the film made a lot of shockwaves of course but i mean none of them will have the lasting effect of of alien i mean it's just when you think of successful horror you know th- this is a movie that pretty much hits all the check boxes right and is really one of the first great slow burn horror movies in my opinion you know this is like the conjuring before it was the conjuring it takes you know? a full 50 something minutes i think before we actually have the chestburster scene happen yeah. this is a this is actually a knock that ridley scott gets a lot like his his pacing is awful in some of his movies just awful like i this is no disrespect to you producer roger i haven't talked in a minute but blade runner is a movie that i know that a lot of people love but i've one of the biggest problems i've always had with it is that it takes for fucking ever to get anything accomplished through parts of that movie where it's like not blade runner it's like blade like stroller for but it's i don't know like a full that that's the whole thing he he pays that off by having an incredible eye for his environments and for the for what it is he's developing it just takes too fucking long sometimes i think in the in the uh in the in the respect to alien it works 100 percent because he's trying to cultivate actual fear through the entire build-up that when you get to the payoff it's so earned Mm -hmm. by taking all of that time to establish this world meet your characters get all of this stuff you know all of the gears rolling towards where we're going to end up here in the eventuality of the horror part and the horror part is excellent once we get there mm-hmm. so i'm not a huge ridley scott guy ironically then <laughs> this is my favorite movie and it is his mm-hmm. so i guess i have to give him credit for that yeah i will agree with that i mean some sometimes the pacing even an alien occasionally feels a, a little much but what i like is that everything that's happening in between the the big scenes in this film you know, it's still relevant to the story, you know, and it's very much a survival horror type of movie. And it, it does that so well. I mean, to kind of throw it in there, I know you've been playing it kind of recently, Sam, but oh, yeah. uh, Alien Isolation. Same as the I first mean, movie, Heart Palpitations. I yeah. don't have to mention that that it, much. It just makes you feel super isolated. And I mean, you barely see any other humans throughout that I game. I can't play it. I, I tried. Like, I, I can watch this movie great. a thousand times and be fine, but I think I got about. 12 minutes into playing the game and like you know what i can't do this like when i'm actually an active part of this i i have like fucking fits it's nerve-wracking bro you're like what's next after this and where would i gotta go if it comes out and chases me do i hit a left do i hit a right and if he catches me do i gotta start all over is it gonna be a jump scare am i gonna fucking drop the controller Mm -hmm. and yeah that's the answer to all all of that is yes all of it yeah all of it It's, it's one thing to actually you know just watch this happening on screen versus actually feeling like you are being chased. Yeah. Can't be an active participant. I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I have beaten the game. It's terrifying, but I I really just brought that up because, you know, if you have played the game, then that's pretty much exactly how you feel when you're watching this film. I mean, the, the tension is just very thick throughout pretty much the entire thing. Honestly, sometimes the awkward pacing makes it even like, even like, (laughs) makes me more anxious, man, because, like, mm-hmm. sure, sometimes the pacing's like, meh, here and there, like, I would say, like, at the 25-minute mark, I started getting, like, all right, you know, let me just check my phone a little bit. I started texting here and there, and then I'm like, no, I'm not about to do this. I just kept waiting and waiting mm-hmm. and waiting, and then you, you start to feel that heaviness on, on in your rib cage, and then that tightness kicks in. Like, I don't know, man, especially those hallway scenes, they were just, 
They were, I don't know. It, it's one of those movies like I can't watch if I'm blazed ever again. Like I have to be fucking. I'm serious, man. Yeah, like, I, hear I, I can I can only enjoy it if I'm like watching it to like critique it. I can't like just. All right, let me feel this movie because when you feel it, you fucking feel it, man. And yeah. I just only other movie that ever did that to me was the first Pumpkinhead, and ironically enough, oh, okay. yeah. another fucking big headed creature. Yeah. Like I, I had nightmares about that. That's shit. a fair like, comparison. Have kind of it's, similarly shaped. Heads. It's not even like it's not even like the, the. It's just like the atmosphere of these like these movies, man. Like when when someone does a good job, I'm yeah, you know how I am with atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the number one thing for me besides cinematography. Mm-hmm. Like and honestly, both of these movies were ahead of their time, and like. Look at that. The two most badass horror creatures are the two ones that give me the most, like, anxiety. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I feel like when they first land on uh, LV-426 is when you really start feeling that this movie is going to be uh, something unique, you know, because the planet establishes this very uh, just dense fog and everything with the, with the weather. I mean, you feel like something is going to happen here and something terrifying. And that lead into when Cain descends into the, the breeding ground and discovers the eggs. I mean, I guess, you know, initially, I probably would think that this is going on way too long. But then the payoff when the, the face hugger jumps at him is, is basically what jumpstarts the, the terror in this film. And then it really feels like, okay, this is a, an urgent situation. And from there, narratively, I feel like the the story just gets even better. Well, it kind of reminds me of uh, John Carpenter's A Thing, in a sense, because mm-hmm. it's kind of the same build-up as, okay, these guys are the same thing kind of remotely, except for the more elements of the weather there with that. But that's how I felt when I watched it, because it, it kind of the same kind of pacing where, oh, shit, things are getting real now, and we'll see with the dogs and everything like yeah. that. Like, it's still, to this day, it's one of the most terrifying things I've ever Fuck seen on yes. film in my life. but. Yeah. Again, I mean, the character even in, during that period of time, right before that too, was Ash. To me, Ian Holm does such a great job. Mm-hmm. To- out, totally, totally. I mean, to- in terms of like a like an android character, I, know, I forgot like, all about that. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, the yeah, first, and, uh, yeah even, always forget. Yeah. The first time I saw that, it one hundred percent threw me. I had no idea. Yeah, and that's like, the same thing when you like don't know at all, and then you know you later on you have well, I know a writer who has to live up to that. I guess to a certain degree, and then um, <laughs> she's no sir, though. No, she's no sir, Ian Holm, but uh, you know Michael Fassbender later. But uh, no, I, I thought that Ian Holm or, or Ash did really like just you thought just because he's a science officer, so you got the Star Trek vibe in there. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we well, just like Spock, yeah, sure. Like maybe yeah. pulling from that that period at the time, if you think about it, because he was so calculating with like, well, we're, we're just going to continue to observe and see I think that's a fair comparison yeah like that would have been an easy thing to pick up yeah. like, from from that of this like the emotionless kind of yeah. spectator yeah, that, that monotone have to yeah. be here you know something yeah. was off like, yeah and that's what I and yeah. that's what I thought originally too when I first saw because what I, I was like oh he's just probably like Spock just you know mm-hmm. whatever science facts blah 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 I mean, the robot thing, just the, the white, yeah, they're that's, like... That threw me the fuck up. Because uh, at first when uh, Parker was like, he's a fucking android, and then you see the... Yeah. All yeah. That white and such excellent exp- practical effects. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. There's, uh, before I get to that real quick, I actually, I'm glad you brought him up because it's, uh, I think one of the greatest strengths of this movie is that Ridley Scott gets to do all the stuff he gets to do with the environments mm-hmm. and your aliens and your sets and stuff because they cast excellent people in this movie oh, yeah. like, yes. everybody top to bottom is an excellent actor and mm-hmm. the strength of all these performances as minimal as some of them are and as as minor as they end up being you know just seven people dealing with all this stuff they that took 
all of the like all of the weight off of Ridley Scott to have to direct performances as much to just let these people act, and they're all very good at what they're doing. We almost didn't get many of them. Tom Skerritt was kind of like a last minute thing. Lucky John, as fuck, we got Tom yeah. Skerritt. That sure, John's a national treasure. That's what he <laughs> yeah. is. Tom Skerritt, yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Tom Skerritt is a national treasure. John Hurt, uh, of course, was initially cast as Kane and then uh, fell out due to another obligation. So they got John Finch, I believe, to replace him. And then he uh, uh, developed some kind of complication from diabetes or something like that, I read. So anyway, he got out. John Hurt got back in and performed a completely memorable performance as Kane. We haven't even talked about... Uh, maybe one of my favorite character, <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton. Absolutely. And that oh, starts man. a string of him being in every single movie oh, from 79 to like 80. Harry, so Harry Dean Stanton is a, a natural, natural treasure. treasure. Yeah. Right. You know, he is, I mean, this is his second best movie. Honestly, if, if I think about it, his best movie would be Repo Man. Oh. He was awesome, Repo He's Man. excellent, Repo Man. I mean, well, at Paris, Texas, it was yep. very good. Oh, yeah, no, as that's well. a good, one. good call. Of course, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, he, I mean, he's fantastic. And he, he plays such a. Uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Just kind of under the radar, you know, performance. Almost. The, the word is disposable. That's the thing about all sure. these characters. Each one of them is made to be a disposable character, but they all have an indelible mark in the movie that mm-hmm. you don't forget them. Any of them, like they are all doing a part that could have been anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting also is that because this is kind of the first movie of its type you saw it when they made alien covenant, like all these people are beautiful in Alien Covenant, half of them. You know, Danny McBride's there, sure. so whatever. <laughs> but you know, like you get like Idris Elba's yeah, and people in there. One. Like, oh, yeah. why? Why are we not casting? These are minors. Like right. that, it makes a little more sense in the future, I guess. That everybody can be beautiful because whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> this movie is like these are supposed to be just regular people, and then they are, and they're all old. Like Sigourney Weaver's the youngest person right. in the movie; she's twenty nine. So if this movie was made now, everybody would be twenty, and they'd all be science officers. That's and true, how the hell would that true. make any sense? But that's part of what makes this movie so interesting uh, apart from that is that it's so relatable to a character to performer basis. Like, look at all these fucking ugly schlubs. Like, and this is cool. Yeah. And not to mention, you, you know. guys got to forget. You guys, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Veronica Cartwright's done a lot of horror movies. Yeah. She oh, she's done a bunch. Yeah, yeah. she's done. So it's, Had her on in the X-Files. Yeah, she was like on five which, or six or, episodes. She was on a uh, sequel of Candyman, too. Oh, oh yeah, shit. Farewell to the Flesh. Oh, was, man. Yeah. Dude, I haven't seen that since, like, fucking second grade. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Right. When, I, when I was looking up, I'm like, wait, I think she was in a Candyman movie, and it just yeah. confirmed it. So. She was the yeah. original yeah. Ripley. She was cast as Ripley before they ended up giving it to Sigourney Weaver, which would have been really weird. Mm-hmm. So would have been. we ended up with the right movie. Yeah, yeah, and she also was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, she, I remember that pretty well. Uh, and The Birds. Yeah, oh, she's been acting it. forever. Like she was like a child. <laughs> actor. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She's been acting a long ass time. You look at her credits; they're ridiculous. Yeah, no, yeah, she's got some good stuff. Right now, it's a fuck ton. I forgot she was in a scary movie too. <laughs> Dude, yeah. this well. is fuck ton. No, she has. She's yeah. had a career. I think it's funny that she she did manage to have such a a long and like successful character actory career by not taking the role of Ellen Ripley because I don't know if you could have done the same thing. You know, like I think her performance in this movie is good and with only with only her minimal involvement in this movie to support this. But Sigourney Weaver comports herself so well for the role of heroine that oh, yeah. it's difficult to imagine anyone else being able to do that as well as she did. And you didn't even expect it from the beginning too, which is the Absolutely thing. not. Like you, you don't think she's going to be the one. Right. Like, if anything, you think she die first. Like that's you know, yeah, but she comes out as you know the the improbable final girl, more mm-hmm. or less. Although obviously a lot more uh, tough 
than your typical final she girl. is strong-willed as, as indicated by the scene of her refusing to let them back onto the ship with oh, an yeah. alien like that was the right call obviously yeah so yeah she's intelligent and she is strong-willed and she's principled and like those are all things you need to be a hero but was she tenacious was she brave i didn't think so until she was yeah i mean once she wields that flamethrower sure there's that'll put a lot of bravery in. she became reactionary and then she just fucked shit up yeah. like she was <laughs> there's there's a great there's some people scene. you can't fuck with when once you hit once you hit their adrenaline hits like they're like a whole different person yeah. especially when mother she found a mother like they, the yeah when they find out yeah. that the whole mission yeah is she shit just gets fuck yeah. 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 yeah i mean she almost gets choked to death by ash but that's to be expected with he's an android, <laughs> being an android. what yeah. set him off was it her here's what i didn't get she, Ro- she robot lets you grab him and throw him up against the wall and shake him up and yell at him I don't know, because he knows that robot. she's not a threat at that moment in time she's not actually a threat to yeah. him. he knows he's a robot yeah. so she's just taking out her frustration from having mm-hmm. been discovered the, you know the situation i'm still upset that parker i mean i guess parker had to die because like we, well, we need there die. to be like one <laughs> person but like god damn it was so it was so for nothing at least lambert could have been like oh yeah, yeah distraction yeah. That'll give me eight seconds to run, but then yeah. I, I'm going to get caught anyway, she, and I don't want to be—I don't want to be extremely exhausted yeah. while I'm being. Chilled. I want to say like, it's not for nothing. Like it's—it's it's kind of what I It's liked. kind of a nice character note that Parker gets to have like a mild amount of redemption because he's kind of a shithead through the beginning of oh, the movie, yeah. like oh, yeah, making crass money. making crass comments about you know the female anatomy when they're eating at dinner and yeah. like just kind of being a kind of a shit heel. Yeah, you know, for him to then at the end be like, oh well, fuck, I got to try to fight this thing, like. It's a nice way to die. The thing I, I, I the thing I like the most about that is when like it started approaching her after it killed him, like they completely left it up to your imagination. And I was just sitting there like the whole time like I don't know. I think I think the thing's tail went up her booty hole. That's, that's kind of what it's implying. Yeah. It's kinda what I, I thought. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. We like, haven't <laughs> even touched on the psychosexual aspects of this movie. Uh, Ridley um, uh, really yeah. Scott wanted more, apparently. Oh yeah. Is what I've is but, what I've read on. So. I I don't want to sound like I'm hosting your show. But <laughs> no, uh, okay. since we didn't talk about it, we'll segue into it by sure. just mentioning the actual design of the alien because we've paid mm-hmm. no reverence to hr giger designer you know extraordinaire of yeah. all of this nonsense like my man did so much work for this movie that it's kind of impressive that he doesn't like own a piece of this like forever. he might honestly he probably does but like it should be almost attached to his like Ridley Scott and H.R. Giger's Alien like, right. should be like the full title of this movie because it, it's it's impossible to make without him. Yeah, he conceptualized pretty much everything in the film, which is super important. I mean, there were some other concept he artists. He built parts of the sets. But, yeah, Jesus. I mean, so much of yeah. what you see visually in this film is, is all him. So, I mean, he, he deserves as much credit as anybody. Designed I all think. four stages of the alien. Yeah. Designed the space jockey. Designed that that set that they are in with the space jockey. Uh, designed the ship, mm-hmm. both the Nostromo and you know the planet when they land. Uh, man, I don't even know. Like we, we could pay him all the credit in the world. So I just had to get his name out there, and that is again a giant reason that everything looks like dicks. Also, because <laughs> right. he, my man, really into that. So that's that's yeah. definitely something that they wanted to have as part of this because that's it is rife through this entire. Hey, movie. we got to make a scary alien, huh? What do you want it to look like? It's hey. a giant dick. Is his face? <laughs> His face is my my schlong, and yeah. it has a dick inside of it. Like, so and I think it was oh, uh, it was either H.R. Giger or um, the concept artist. Uh, I forget his name exactly. Ron something, I think. But uh, boss, somebody, something. I think so. Yeah, but one of them actually originally created the alien with eyes. I'm glad they took that away. But mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the sexual connotations are definitely kind of there. I'm glad that oh, a lot of it was. <laughs> cut out at least the really explicit parts but i mean you can't overlook that 
in the design of the I think all itself. of it. I think the the entire yeah. movie is sexual. Everything from yeah. the bursting, the man gestating a, a thing that right. burst out of him to ruin his body, from the very fallopian tunnels that were crawling through inside the ship and inside the planet. Mm-hmm. Eggs. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. mean, just think about the, the <laughs> just think about the final scene of this film. You know, when Balahi Badejo as the alien, oh, my of course, dude, is, alien. Yeah, okay. is uh, hidden in that little sideways Dude, I didn't even thing. fucking I mean, see he his looks, bitch ass at first. It's super good. Like, he looks yeah. like that tubing. You yeah. Know? So it's very... It's such a good reveal. It's such of, a good reveal. I, I, like, jumped out of my chair the first time I saw this <laughs> yeah. movie in that scene. Oh, it was absolutely insane. What I, want I just wasn't expecting it at all. Is who the fuck has grappling hooks in space? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, when she blew him out of there, that was the only practical aspect of this film it's the one part that kind of you know that kind of fails now yeah but i mean hey kudos for for being so ambitious one part though that confused me is as soon as that door opened the 800 pound alien gets pulled back she's standing still like i am a strong woman it's like no gravity will pull your ass out of there too like she wasn't holding on she was strapped into that i don't know she would have got yanked the fuck out of there for all the technology in the world we still rely on the most two basic things, <laughs> fire and metal. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a grappling hook is simply something that you would think that any ship in the future would have. Uh, you think it like, wouldn't have? Like, you know, well, they're laser. miners. Right. Well, I, well, I understand that. But, I mean, like, you know. Keep with, using that as a defense. Yeah, but, you know, like, even in Star Trek, they, uh, as a reference, again, they used, uh, when they were mining rocks with the lava mm-hmm. cre- creature, they had lasers and precise tools and yeah. grappling hooks. But these are, this is a dirty future that we're yeah. in, though. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they advanced to the same, but that was her, the same technical level of efficiency as a Star Trek would have, because they're just kind of grinding. They did have those, like, that makeshift was, uh, That was her making sure. That was her emasculating the alien, though. She's like, now I'm about to bust a nut on you. Hada, grappling much, hook. Yeah. Like, and that was it. <laughs> I know. She's like, now I'm safe. I'm in the womb. Like yeah. That also includes the best special effect in the entire movie is how did they manage to keep that tiny pair of underwear on Sigourney Weaver? Yes. Oh, my God. You, it is the my favorite part is seeing, My favorite part was seeing her little pancake booty. Like That was my, that was my whole <laughs> really, favorite. Really bro. I don't want to devolve it into something gross, but... <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like that's that's a feat. By it's itself. like, dude, even plumbers don't do that shit. At least pull it up. Like, we, yeah. I could see your uh, tailbone. <laughs> at least the whole movie, and you know, with that scene in there was shocking. Kind of. So yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, yo, why did? It, what's the budget on this film? Eleven million. Can we get me bigger underwear? <laughs> now nah, we'll be going over the budget yeah. by how much? I don't know. That's realistically, like- we could. We could spend another century. million. Really, Scotty's British, though. It's like, oh, I just didn't. There's just one money in the yeah, budget for more fabric. I just yeah. use like a like a like a Nike New York slash Boston accent because to me that's the most scummy. Like you know, there's <laughs> sure. like the shadiest. It's like, hey, come here, let me show you something. It's like, I mean, Granny no, Panties went through the sales went through the roof that year. Oh so my god! So, hey, I guess it was doing something right. That I was. Wanna, I want to look like Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> I bet if they ever make a remake, they're gonna have her have like a fucking g string and I'm like fuck you guys here. Like, <laughs> she can still pull it off. Oh yeah, looking not half bad. 70 or however old she is. <laughs> who, who would you cast for uh, Ripley in a remake? Now? Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think of someone who isn't too hot. <laughs> like I, I don't I don't want to make that like important. What's her name from Black Swan? Natalie Portman? Yeah. Well, they made a rival. I mean, she did that. Yeah. So that's like uh, halfway there. Basically Fuck. alien. Yeah. All right. Someone, well, no, I, I actually have a candidate. Okay. Uh, Diana Guerrero from Doom Patrol. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. You know why? I think only. And, I mean, she's very attractive. But however, if you guys have seen the show, um, as Crazy Jane, the way she, she can kind of like be flexible as a character or as a 
you know, just this anger and restraint and everything. I don't know. I mm. I can see her as a scientist, and she's not tall enough. Yeah, she's very short. Or even, even neither is Tom Cruise. Yeah. So there, there how, tall is, how tall how is Tom you? Cruise? <laughs> Wait, I'm wait. sorry, Tom Cruise. You're definitely six three. I <laughs> hope your whole religion falls apart, piece of shit. <laughs> or even Claire Danes. I mean, if you want hell, hell, bring Claire Danes back into the fold. That would be kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. Claire Danes yeah, could pull it off. Who was the uh, screaming there was about another, terrorism? There was another consideration for Ripley other than Sigourney Weaver and um, no, no, nobody from couple, these right? nobody from these teeny bopper films like fucking Thirteen Reasons Why. Oh, like, no, we don't I need any not. of these teenagers in their dramas. Although the, there were because they've been doing that lately, like. I think they were supposed to do something with Amanda Ripley. So, I mean, uh, a casting choice like that would make mm. a little bit more sense for it depends. that character. It depends I mean, on it where depends. they end up going with this. Because the franchise as it yeah. stands is in a really weird lurch. Like, they, mm-hmm. you know, to speak on the other movies briefly, there have been a million things. You know, Aliens, Alien 3, Prometheus, and mm-hmm. Alien Covenant. All of them okay in degrees and mostly terrible. But uh, the rumor before Ridley Scott got up the gumption to make Prometheus was that uh, Neil Blomkamp of uh, District 9 fame mm-hmm. was going to make another one of these with Ellen Ripley as a direct sequel I loved that. to Alien, yeah. right? which would have been something special. There are There is concept art and there is some stuff that he had done as mock-ups that do exist and they are great and they are worth seeing. So mm-hmm. if you just go Google Alien 5 Neil Blomkamp, you'll find some shit. So it doesn't look like that's going to happen. She seems to think there's still a possibility it could I don't know. The The acquisition of 20th Century Fox recently is going to make things really weird in the immediate future. Oh, man. So By Disney. I guess we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> like, fucking Alien and Predator. Aren't they both now Disney characters? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck, it's man. Why, why? The Alien Queen is a why Disney Why wouldn't princess. they just... It's like... <laughs> yeah. What if when Disney was like, Oi, Vic, can we, buy, can we buy these franchises from you? I'd be like, fuck no. No, not after what you did to Star Wars. Yeah. But I heard what you did to Star Wars because I refuse to watch. I've only watched the first six because that, to me, is all of them. They have so I, much money, the, though. To, to me, the new so stuff, fuck it. They do have so much money. So I, I want to feel like there is room... There's room somewhere to make another one of these good. I think so. You know, I don't... Uh, in general, what are your... What are your greater feelings on these recent ones, like the two most recent, Prometheus and Covenant? Prometheus, I kind of watched, (laughs) and uh, I wasn't that that big of a fan of it, especially because, you know, there's only so much to connect to the original alien mythos in that film, and it's more They're trying not to, even though they're totally doing it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we all kind of knew, but uh, that movie was odd. (laughs) Alien Covenant, um, I did enjoy in parts... Honestly, I'm not extremely thrilled with, you know, Michael Fassbender's character being such a prominent yeah. entity in that movie, but the scenes with the alien were cool. It just doesn't feel the same when you see it, you know, on top of the ship snarling in pure CGI fashion yeah. versus scaring the shit and killing Tom Skerritt in, yeah, that, dude, that, was, in that vent dude, or whatever. yesterday, that's when it fucking... Okay, yeah. I'm, I've Two said this before. So Tom Skerritt is, uh, they're telling him, no, not that way, not that way, The wrong. that's the wrong way, that's the wrong way. I was like, I wonder when the thing is going to, and then as soon as I think that, he just, and yeah. it, that kind of like for one second got me, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a little monitor on just so I could see. My shit went, I, I, was, I was watching the movie, I was at 95, my heart rate hit 133, and it went back down to 115 in, in that moment. Like, I had my little fucking meter. And- the, the thing with this movie that it does so well, too, is it kind of fucks with you, because the jump scares 
are kind of preceded by and they're not cheap either. If, yeah, they're not. They're really. not at but all. But if you, if you pay attention, necessary. if you pay attention, uh, you know you can see the alien barely in in certain shots right before the actual I jump scare didn't. occurs. I almost had a fucking aneurysm. <laughs> when in that scene specifically, uh, once he kind of gets all the way down and, and sits down against that wall, you can see the the faint outline of the xenomorph before it jumps out into the jump scare. Uh, also, the scene at the end in the sh- in the escape shuttle, if you know you if you notice where in that next shot. Ripley and the alien yeah, are. The you can see, like right yeah, yeah, but you can see but the you, alien you, in that because but, but the scenery. You're like, nah, that's the scenery, and then you right. see the right head because move, and you're like, oh, a good shit. director draws your eye to the focus that he's putting in front of you. Yeah. So you're watching in that scene, Tom Skerritt kind of looking around and checking his, his stuff and looking around, mm-hmm. and then in the, in, the, in the escape pod, Ripley is hitting on buttons and trying to get stuff set up for her to escape. You're not looking at that part of the scenery yeah, you're not exactly. supposed to mm-hmm. so with the with the exception of like the very deliberate falling from the ceiling behind harry dean stanton oh yeah like there's you know your eye is being drawn focused to a different part of the scene entirely so that is why it works so well uh, although know, interesting <laughs> oh it is and i agree with you completely on that i mean you have to use some <laughs> misdirection absolutely if you're trying to scare somebody but uh and interestingly, in one of the deleted scenes of, of Brett's death, there is a shot which is kind of clear as day of the xenomorph kind of hanging up in the in the chains, and he looks like he's curling himself up in like a ball or something. And it's that's strange. And and if in the director's cut, I mean, that is technically the first time that you see the alien. Yeah. It's, it's very odd, but I mean, you know, if you're not really paying attention, then you're just looking at Harry Dean Stan, and you don't really see that, and then boom. So it's great the way that the scares are set up. Um, I mean, I, I just I just love this movie. It's just so effective. Probably, yeah, probably one of the more effective horror movies in actually bringing you real horror and not just fucking campy and shit. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Like, yeah. yeah. This like, is one like there's no part of this where I feel like this isn't actually like it's a cerebral level of, yeah. of scaring me. You know? Yeah. No, I agree completely. And I, and I wonder kind of if the movie was made today and it, with basically the exact same structure and cinematography just you know uh with upgraded i guess uh 4k resolution or however, whatever k <laughs> yeah. resolution if yeah. it would be so effective or if people would be like nah it's just the jump scare movie we've already seen i don't know because it you would know, it would we'd have to presuppose then yeah. that that a movie that is alien or like alien doesn't exist in 1979 which kind of puts horror back like the whole, I'm not going to go all deep dive on this, but it'd be difficult for me to imagine horror continuing the way horror continue without alien existing because it's, mm-hmm. it's such a hallmark of the genre and such an important piece of filmmaking that it's, it's hard for me to think that you could make this movie now and have it be as effective mm-hmm. because it didn't already happen. Like exactly. we need an alien to have this movie, to have a new alien made now exist to be like, wow, this is great because it, at that at that point in time, something else could have been made that would have been as as good as this. I don't know. I, I mean, if we didn't have it, we would just kind of have slasher movies. Yeah, yeah. Know, this is like a proto slasher film, yeah. like in a very small. Who way. knows if Carpenter I mean, would have even got because Carpenter loved the thing from another world. Mm-hmm. You cannot say Carpenter was not inspired by Alien to make. Oh well, they. Thing. Were, I mean, yeah. he like, worked with was, Dan O'Bannon, yeah. like on so was, on Dark Star or whatever. Like they were buddies. So yeah. they there was definitely a a you know a. a 
a sharing of ideas oh, yeah, that yeah. went back and forth between them you know so there's they the work informs each other you can see the mm-hmm. you can see the results from each way definitely oh yeah but i mean just in the fact that you know alien is kind of the perfect template for a good slow burn oh, yeah. horror film you know and without it i mean we had halloween which obviously inspired the 80s <laughs> basically yeah. but you know without alien I don't know if we would have all the inspiration that we have from that movie for how to make a good, slower-paced, cerebral, scary movie. You know, I think it would be very difficult. So I totally agree with I you. I mean, yeah, this movie is I mean, often heralded as just one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, period. it is. It is. Uh, just a perfect mixture of, of sci-fi and horror. Um, and I don't really know what else to say about it. I mean, every time I watch this movie, you know, from when I was a kid watching it with my dad, cause he was a big fan. I've just loved it every time. So. Yeah. I have, I have never tired of watching this. I've still, it's one of the few movies that I can readily put on at any point and just be like, yeah, man, I'm in it. I'm ready to watch alien yeah. every <laughs> single time. And I can't do that with the rest of the films in the series. Uh, alien three gets close. I know it's kind of, it's kind of maligned, but there is a lot of good stuff in alien three. But uh, this this movie is so good that it's almost unfair that anyone ever had to keep making movies like this because mm-hmm. they'll never be as good. They just won't be as good as this movie. Yeah. Again, personal opinion. And I think it's super cool that you, uh, Samuel, managed to watch this and have a very similar sort of reaction to it as someone who has seen it a bajillion times. Yeah, man. And to your first viewing, like this is still it's it's still good. Like it it is inspiring to me that as a new viewer you can still take away too, that. Much. Honestly, I've been like thinking about it mm-hmm. and now i want to see the director's cut since you guys mentioned it. i had a choice yesterday i sent him the photo i was like which one to watch he's like if you remember the original one watch the director's cut i was like uh, i watched it once so i'll just watch the regular one and the regular one still got me mm-hmm. so i wanted to check out that director's cut from what you guys i want i want there's see, some there's some merit there i want to see i want to see ripley get slapped yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mention it i didn't mention it earlier i mean the, I, I i will say i prefer the theatrical version but, i do i do too uh i i do really like that one scene in the director's cut where Ripley uh, stumbles ac- across Brett in Dallas, cocooned up on the wall, and she <laughs> basically has to make a very tough, calculated decision on uh, whether or not to kill them. Dallas and is asking for it. From, so from, you- from Dallas's pleading, I mean, she just does it. And I mean, uh, another scene where it proves how much she's evolved as, as such a strong-willed 100%. hero. Yeah, um, it was it was cut for time and cut for yeah. you know the reasons you cut things. But I think it's. It's weird because that that scene ends up being the catalyst for how they how they show stuff in the future. Like in right. Aliens, they have all of that in it. Like the cocooning and all this stuff is in Aliens, the direct sequel. Mm-hmm. You never knew that though because it was an alien first. So you're like, why is everybody in the wall and why are they all slick and stuff? Like right. because they're being cultivated this way. But that existed in the first movie. You just didn't know. So that I, I was super con- like thrown by that the first time I saw it and was like, man, this has been around the whole time. I just didn't know. Yeah, this is an interesting fact. The only act, the guy who played Alien, this was his only acting role, and he mm-hmm. vanished after this. Yeah, they found him. They like leave a, a mark, man. They they found him in like a pub or something. One of the casting directors. So it just goes to show you that, I mean, from so many improbable situations He's a where fucking creepy man, he is. <laughs> uh, from so many just random improbable situations, you can create such a good movie. And I mean, the, the movie had many behind the scenes uh, activities that. <laughs> are kind of shocking to see if you go through like trivia and and watch behind the scenes you know nothing was 
as cut and dry as it may seem in the in the final picture. But that's a whole other discussion. Does anybody have anything else they want to say very quickly before we wrap up? I was going to say, say, I've said, I could talk more about Alien like all day, but I I know that that's not, we can't do that. (laughs) So I just want to say thanks and let, for letting me even touch on any of it, but yeah, please continue. No, I mean, we're, we're really happy that we have you, Dave and Roger, of course, uh, on the show today. I think it's been a great discussion. So Uh, I was going to say alien though, it's going to sound like funny saying this, but it's definitely in my fob, Top top five, top five <laughs> movies ever. I'm nice. gonna include. It, it's up there with. It sounds weird to say this, but I know you'll feel me on this one. Toy Story, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Terminator Two, mm-hmm. and definitely Gran Torino. Like Gran Torino is good these one. are. I, I was gonna say Shutter Island, but I feel like it hasn't been around long enough for me to give it that much praise. But yeah, sure. Aliens hey, definitely. Man, you love it. You love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Mad Max Fury Road is one of my favorite five favorite movies ever, and that's like four years old. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this movie is really special to me and has that place in my heart, and I think it does for a lot of people and everybody at this table. So um, I'm very thankful for everybody here for coming together and talking about Alien. I want to know all of your guys' thoughts about Alien as well, so you can let us know by checking out our social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Grave Discussions. And then we have a website as well, gravediscussions.net, where you can check out everything. Um, and of course, Dave, over under FAIR, where can the people find you? You can find us at uh, sportsradiodetroit.com, home of all of your radio and podcast needs for Detroit and abroad. Uh, our show specifically, Over Under FAIR, we are at Over Under FAIR on Twitter, at Over Under FAIR Pod at gmail.com. Hit us up anywhere at any of those venues to engage in discussion with us and our topics. Uh, brief concept of the show. We discuss pop culture things, whether or not they are overrated, underrated, or fairly rated, kind of in the zeitgeist of how we view and rate things. Mm-hmm. So there are some sideways steps here and there. We'll discuss maybe lists. You know, we can we talk about music, movies, all other ephemera, bands, uh, food trends. Like we've we've covered a whole lot of stuff. Yes. Uh, again, to touch on the episode we did last Halloween with the gentleman at Grave Discussions, we discussed the entire Halloween franchise, mm-hmm. you know, put it in its place, let everybody know how we felt about all those movies, how much we didn't like Rob Zombie, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. and, <laughs> uh, and then we also we separately had a review of that film, so uh, the, the new Halloween from last year. So yeah, those are all of our venues. Roger, am I missing anything? Okay. So yeah, go check out Over Under Fair Guys and all of the other awesome SRD content. And that's a wrap on episode 57. We'll see you next week on Grave Discussion. <laughs> <laughs>